You're listening to the weekly podcast of Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. We pray you enjoy today's message. Amen. He is the Ancient of Days. He's excited. I love the excitement. All right, let's dismiss our junior church at this time. Three years old to third grade. All right, Mav, you can go now. Three years old to third grade, if you make your way to the front of the auditorium and over to the right, they're going to take you down to get a lesson at your level. Three years old to third grade. Everyone else, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Psalms today, Psalm 121. Psalm 121. Hey, Maddie, good to see you guys. Have fun. Bye. All right, all right, let him go. Let him go. Where, we lose one? All right, we'll get him down. That's good. See all the excitement and fun by Michael? Love it. Psalm 121. We just finished our series on set apart, being uh, holy for God and uh, set apart for Him. And we talked about a father's character last week on Father's Day. And then now this week we've got um, a single set, if you were a single week before, that I leave, before I leave. So I couldn't start anything that would go a long time. And I wanted to get, bring something to you that I thought would uh, have an impact and also be able to be condensed into just one message, if you will, for the theme. And so um, last week, actually on Sunday, God used this, this chapter in Psalms in my life, and uh, I wanted to just kind of share with you what's been on my heart this whole week from this, and, uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, an encouragement to you, and it will be a reminder uh, for you to remember your Redeemer. I don't know about you, but in life, I get into situations where I sometimes forget things. I've often walked out of the grocery store and forgot where I parked. So I'm very thankful for the lock button I can hit twice. And I'm that guy. You'll see me walking around. Just That's it. No, that, that's yours? Okay, this is mine. All right. We'll go over there and get to it. I'm very, very forgetful, and it's why I have to write things down. It's why sometimes announcements don't come through because they didn't get written down. And even when I'm going through life, doing what I believe God's called me to do, living the way I believe God's called me to live, there's, there's times that I forget He's the one that called me to it. He's the one that has me doing it, and I, I need to be reminded of my Redeemer. Because life gets very difficult when we forget Jesus. When we lose sight of Christ in our life, it can change everything. So this morning we're going to look at this psalm where I, I hope you'll find encouragement, as they did that first heard it. This was written in the Old, it's, it's Old Testament, but it was really written even prior to the book of Psalms being compiled together. Um, some would date this back to the reign of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was an Old Testament uh, king, and uh, when the Assyrian army was coming, some date it back to him being there and this being written, and they, would, they were kind of singing this as the, um, as the armies were attacking. But it is in a section of the Psalms, between Psalm 120 and Psalm 134, your Bible may have them marked a song of ascent or a pilgrimage song, something like that. These were songs that were sung on the road to Jerusalem, usually during Passover, when people would come from all over the nation of Israel to Jerusalem for Passover. And they would have these songs to sing, reminding them of God, who He is, and uh, who they were going to worship. And today, we need that same reminder. 
Now, we don't live the same lifestyle someone in 5 BC did. We almost have self-driving cars. Our lives aren't that bad. I don't have to ride a donkey anywhere. I'm not in sandals all the time, although that is something I wouldn't mind doing, but winter in New England, eh. We don't have to really grow our own food or be dependent upon rain and things like that. I can go down to Stop and Shop and grab whatever I need sometimes. Our lives aren't as difficult as they, they were then, physically speaking. But spiritually, the same battles they fought, we face today. And as you're going through the things God has called you to do, whether that be as a parent, as a spouse, as a sibling, as an owner of a business, as a co-worker, or as a manager, whatever roles you have that God has called you to, you need a reminder of your Redeemer sometimes. And today I hope to do just that. Because this psalm last week, as it spoke to my heart, reminded me where my hope comes from. It reminded me where my safety comes from. And it reminded me where my salvation comes from. This song would be sung with a group of people walking towards Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know anything about the geography or topography or whatever word describes how the land is over in Israel, Jerusalem is set up on a hill. And there's about seven hills that are around Jerusalem. And so anytime you went to Jerusalem, you were always going up. To Jerusalem. So if you were walking from anywhere and looking to the city, you would always be looking up to what is there. And in this psalm, they, they, they speak of those hills and mountains, we'll get to in just a minute, but they would be walking up to Jerusalem as a group, and this song would be sung almost like a, not with the same rigidity, but a military cadence, if you will. Someone would sing the first two verses, and then the, the group would sing the second and fourth, third verse. And then the fourth and fifth verse would be sung by the person, and the sixth and seventh verse, and, and so on and so forth that way. And I, I, this last week, I went and looked up this psalm in Hebrew, and I was tempted to play it this morning, but I chose not to. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful song. And I encourage you to look it up and hear it in its, in, in its native tongue. And get, make sure you have English translation. It helps unless you read Hebrew or listen to Hebrew. But this psalm was a reminder to people that were on their way to worship God. It was a reminder of the God they were going to worship. You are in your life, prayerfully, as a believer and follower of Jesus, living it as a means to worship God and to glorify Him. But sometimes along that journey, you need to be reminded of who that God is. So today in Psalm 121, let's look at verses 1 and 2, and let's just get a reminder of who our Redeemer is. Now this would be sung either again in that group or by Hezekiah there uh, as the Assyrians were going to be attacking. Now I can't sing, so that's not happening, all right? But we can read this. Follow along with me. The Bible says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So let's put ourselves in either situation. The King Hezekiah there with the Assyrian army attacking. You've gotten word that they're on their way. You've gotten word that they've taken out the cities around you and now tar their eyes are set on Jerusalem as their target. And they're, they're approaching. And while you are there, you know your nation has departed from God for a period of time. They have went and worshipped, excuse me, Bel. And you look out upon through the mountains, the hills that surround Jerusalem. 
Now, if you're a military-minded individual, you understand those mountains, those hills pose our good defense for an, another army to try to have to traverse. And if you understand the nation of Israel and their history, you know that on these hills and mountains that they were sacrificing to Baal there. They had used them as ways to worship another god. And now King Hezekiah sitting inside his throne room in Jerusalem, out upon his balcony maybe, looking up on the hills, cries out, I will set mine eyes upon the hills, but where comes my help? And he has to remind himself, my help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Maybe you're young, that young man who's got your family journeying up to Jerusalem, and you're traveling with a pregnant wife and a couple kids. Now, I've traveled in a car across country with a pregnant wife and two dogs. We went from northeast, actually South Carolina up to Tennessee, and Tennessee over to Yuma, Arizona, when Sarah was nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant, eight months pregnant with Evan. Can you imagine having to walk maybe from the most furthest point south in a town called Iliat? That's 168 miles from Jerusalem with a pregnant wife, a few animals, and a few other kids running around? This is what they were having to do. Now put yourself in that mindset for a minute. Remember, the people in Bible times were not these superheroes. He's having to leave his home unsecured and unsafe. The crops, the livestock, and everything there, and they're having to make this trek to Jerusalem. They had concerns. He has his wife that is with him, who might deliver. He's got his kids running around that I'm sure are just perfect angels. They have animals and things with them, maybe for sacrifice or for trade. There's other groups of families with them. You're the leader, and you're, you're having to feel the responsibility for this. You see, each of us are on a journey that God has called us on. And that's the only reason this man and his family are pursuing up to Jerusalem was to go and to worship God, because God had said to do this. See, when you choose to follow God by faith with your life, you're going to go on a journey, and you're going to feel the responsibility and the weight and of everything that is around you. And when you're on that journey, you're going to begin to think about what the end state is. As children, we do this. What's one of the most famous questions a child will ask you on a vacation while you're driving? Good. I was really hoping that would work out. Are we there yet? Why? Because what are we thinking about in this journey? Are we going to get there? When do we get to this end state? When do we get to the vacation spot? When do I get to retirement? When do I get to the passive income? When can I sell the business? When are the kids out of the home? When can I get to this end state? When can I get here to the mountains that God has called me to? And it's oftentimes, even when you're driving on vacation, you'll begin to think to yourself, okay, just a few more hours and we'll get there. A few more hours and we'll get there. But is that really helping you at all? Is that really doing anything for you? Hezekiah, the young man traveling with his family, looked up at Jerusalem and said, I see the mountains, but my help doesn't come from the mountains. My help comes from the Lord. We're looking towards whatever it is God's called us to, the goal, the end state, retirement, 401k, being at a certain place, good health, a family, children. We're looking at these 
physical things that we desire in life. And as we go on this journey, we begin to stub our toes. We begin to need some help to get through it. But the more we focus on that, the more we're going to stress about getting to it. When we need to step back, we need to get on our knees. And while we can look to the mountains, we look a little bit higher and say, my help doesn't come from there. My help comes from the Lord. God, help me. Because on this journey you've called me to, you've put some mountains in my path. And I can't get over them alone. I can't get to where you want me to be on my own. I definitely can't do it with these kids nagging me every five seconds about a bathroom break. I can't do it with the debt collectors calling. God, I can't do it with, with, with all the bills I have. I can't do it with all the fear I have of what's happening in our nation. I can't do it with all these other things going on around me. But with your help, God, I can do all things through Christ. I don't know where you're at in your journey right now. I know I've had conversations just in the last two weeks with a few people that have just told me they're in some of the deepest, darkest places they've ever been. I've talked to some, you're on the mountaintops, things are going great. No matter where you are along your journey, your, your help, your support, it doesn't come from the goals you have, from the things you're achieving, and for what you're looking after. Your help will come from the Lord. Being reminded of your Redeemer is to be reminded that Jesus is our support. So instead of putting your focus on where you're trying to go, put your focus on the one that will help you get there. And you may find you're in the wrong direction. And that's a hard place to be. Have you ever desired something so greatly and someone told you, no? It's like the child that wants the cookie before dinner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no. And they always respond the same way. Thank you for looking out for my health. I'll wait. Oh, yours don't do that? How do they respond? We could be desiring a mountain that God hasn't put before us. And what do we do when God says no? What do we do when God says no? The healing of that family member is not part of your journey. What do we do when God says no? Retirement at that age isn't a part of your journey. No, that job. No, this this end state, this goal, this mountain that you are looking to, that's not, that mountain's not part of your journey. But this one is. What do we do in those moments? We have to have faith. We can't have faith in the mountain because guess what? He just removed the mountain. But as we continue to look to God, He's given us another one to go after. And that's where we have to remember Jesus is not just our support, but Jesus is our security. Because the one thing that will keep us from following God to where he wants to take us is fear. And we often hear faith over fear, and I think that's a fantastic thing to say, but with an improper understanding, you're going to think if you have fear, you can't move forward in faith. Living with faith is not the absence of fear. You live with faith in the presence of fear. And let God do his work. The next two verses read, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. 
The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. If you're on this journey of 168 miles walking, it's going to take a few days to get there. So this psalm was the reminder of no matter what you are dealing with at nighttime or during the day, God is there to support and there to protect you. He'll keep you secure. He's a shelter in the time of storms, as the Bible says. If we had to drive 186 miles, that's just a few-hour trip for us in a car. But if we look at this journey as not one just to the place of Jerusalem, but we understand it as our life that we are living in pursuit of worshiping Christ and living for Him, we can understand that as we pray, God, give me this, God, give me this, God, grant this, God, make this happen. When He says no, and we encounter that fear, we are going to have to move either a different direction. We're going to stand right there and act like the child that didn't get his cookie before dinner. Why? Why can't I have what I want? Why can't you do what I'm asking you to do? Because we serve a God, not a genie. A genie gives you all your desires. And if you ever watch a movie with a genie, most of the wishes don't work out the way they're supposed to. What if you got everything you ever asked for? God's not there to fulfill your desires. He's there to be with you along this journey to bring Him glory. And it may sound crazy sometimes. You know, I, I think we dismiss things God calls us to because, like, that's crazy. Like, if you don't think you serve a God that calls you to do crazy things, you've missed part of the New Testament. He, he talked to some fishermen. He said, hey, I want you to go be fishers of men. I want you to go and preach. I want you to flip the world upside down. Can you imagine someone coming to you? I want you to give it all away, and I want you to follow me for three and a half years, and then I'm going to die and be raised again, and then I want you to take that message and spread it across the entire globe? That's crazy. Yeah. Our God will call you to do crazy things. Maybe God's calling you to do something crazy. We're celebrating graduations and people, young people graduating from high school and looking for college and careers and things of that nature. I, I don't ask my kids the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? I like to ask, do you know what God's called you to do? Because I want to remind them. What God calls you to may not be what you want to do. But when you live out what God's called you to, you'll find the desire in your heart. Because the Bible says He gives us the desires of our heart. He calls people to do crazy things. And then He calls them to do crazy things, and He doesn't let it be easy for them. Have you ever read the history of how the apostles died? Think of Peter. Peter was the main voice at Pentecost that preached, and 3,000 people were saved. Can you imagine that? That's like you putting out the gospel on TikTok and getting 3,000 people respond and say, I want to trust in Jesus as my Savior. Can you imagine that? But then, some years later, in Rome, while Peter was preaching the same message God had called him to, not fishing, 
Peter liked to fish. You know how I know Peter liked to fish? Because when Jesus had died and was in the tomb for three days, within 72 hours of the one he believed was the Son of God dying, who he said would resurrect, Peter, that professed faith in him, went back to fishing. Now, guys, if you like fishing, I'm sure that's something you do to release some stress. Peter enjoyed fishing, but he didn't die in Rome for fishing. He died in Rome for preaching the gospel. He died in Rome on the journey God had called him to, to the mountaintop that he was pursuing after, of getting the message of Jesus to the known world. It wasn't an easy life for him. I'm afraid that we as 21st century believers believe that if God calls us to something, it's going to be easy. And the end state's going to be exactly what we imagine it to be. I can promise you when I surrendered to come here and be the lead pastor, COVID wasn't on my agenda. God may call you to some amazing things, but it may not look the way you thought it did. And when Peter died, he didn't just get killed. They crucified him. But Peter said, I, I can't be crucified. I'm not, I don't deserve to be crucified like my Savior. So they crucified him upside down. This was the apostle Peter that was called to go preach the message of the gospel to the known world. The apostle Paul. Now, Paul had a good life, y'all. If you didn't know who Saul was before he became Paul, he was a well-known Pharisee, someone that would have been respected in the community, was a leader of people because he had people following him to kill Christians. And then God called him away from that life and said, I want you to go and preach the gospel. I want you to go plant churches. Paul died by beheading. Why is it important for us to, to, to his brother that he had taken a birthright and a blessing from? He ends up wrestling God. Now, long story and short of this, Jacob was one who decided to trick his brother and his father into obtaining land, money, and all these things that were supposed to come to his brother. And he did it in a mischievous way. God had really promised it to him. It was going to be his eventually. But he chose to do it his own way. He chose not to go through whatever it would have taken. He chose to try to take it upon himself and make it happen. Listen. Whether your goal, your mountaintop, whatever it is God's called you to, it could be the 401k, retirement, family, children, it could be whatever it is. If you try to pursue it your way and not God's way, you don't find the security of being in God's will. Jacob didn't find the security, ended up going out, and instead of marrying the love of his life, married her sister. Like, if y'all think Real Housewives is entertaining, read the Bible. Because listen, Married her sister, seven years later, marries her. A few years later, she can't have kids, so gives him a handmaiden. And then the other one gets jealous, gives him another handmaiden. And now they got 12 kids. Again, the Bible's pretty entertaining. But on Jacob's way back to his brother, he wrestled with God. And in those moments, he had, him, uh, he had to humbly repent of the things that he had done. And in the end, he has his family, he has his brother, he has all the things there. What would Jacob's life have been like had he chosen to just stay the path God had called him to, even in what would appear to be difficulty? Whatever you're going after, if you're going after it for the Lord, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But you have the safety of God around you when you're pursuing His will. And then you have the security of God. Whether He moves you and changes you into a different direction, 
you can be secure in knowing that He is with you. The Bible says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Then lastly, you're not going to have either one of these if you don't understand that Jesus is our salvation. Psalm 121, verses 7-8, through 8, the Bible says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. The preservation of evil is not the preservation from bad things taking place in your life. We are eternally preserved from evil by faith in Jesus Christ. As Jordan had mentioned, we in this life, the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. The preservation of evil speaks of our spiritual bodies, if you will, that are preserved from anything the devil can do. But that only comes from knowing Jesus as your Savior. As I look around the room, I see many of you, and I know you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. Many of you I've baptized here, and many of you I know have been baptized. But maybe there's some of you today that question your salvation. Maybe you're wondering why I can't hear the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe you're wondering why is God not directing me like Pastor talks about. Maybe you're wondering why is it that I'm not understanding all these things. As the Bible says, it takes a spiritual man to understand spiritual things. And the only way we understand the spiritual things of God is by the Holy Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us because of our salvation in Christ. So how do we get that? Very simple. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that we are sinners. Romans 6, 23. Understand what happens because of our sin. The wages of sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Your salvation is based upon your belief of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Is he the Son of God? Did he die on the cross for your sins and raise again the third day? If you believe that, the Bible says you're saved. And it's not a salvation reserved for a few. It's a salvation available to all. Because Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, me, every child, teen, no matter what age, We put out a church survey recently. I got the results back. I want to thank you to those who uh, participated in that. I appreciate it. There was a number of things to continue digesting that was in there. If you took it, it was a pretty lengthy survey. And, um, but one of the areas it focuses on is, is doctrine and it's salvation. I was very pleased to see just the overwhelmingly high percentage of those of you that call Liberty Baptist Home that understand that salvation is only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to heaven except Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Me. It's not about coming through a church or another religion. It's about Jesus. So what you believe about Him is what determines your salvation. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that died on a cross for your sins, then you also believe that there is a God who loved you enough to send Him. That God is the creator of heaven and earth. You believe what the Bible says that he has a plan for you. My question for you this morning. Are you on his path or your path? If you're on his path and you're facing difficulty and things, let this be your reminder. Keep going. Don't stop. 
He is where you find your safety. He is where you find your support. And He's obviously the one that gave you the salvation. The question that came to my heart as I thought through this and I read this passage and it was a comfort to me this last week and I thought of how when God can remove a mountain and, and put another one there for us to go after. One of the questions that would keep me from going after that in my flesh could be, is this what I want to do? What will other people think of me if I do this? Which ultimately asks, will this bring me glory? When the question we have to ask, will this bring God glory? Would you bow with me please? At the end of every service, we have what's known as a time of response. Today's message was truly to be a reminder of your Redeemer. We closed it out with the, the gospel, the salvation uh, that is only obtained through faith in Jesus Christ and how it, it can transform you and your life. And a transformed life for Jesus is one that's lived for Jesus. For the one question we ask when God calls us to say something, to do something, to give something, to serve, to talk to people, whatever it may be, should start with, will this bring God glory? I don't know where you're at in your journey. I know there's many of you facing difficulties. You've got a mountaintop you're looking to that you, you believe when you get there, there's rest, there's reprieve, there's a cold, there's an instate that once you get there, everything will be fine. Once you arrive at the vacation spot, everything will be okay. It could be a perfect family. It might be a spouse. It might be money. It could be cars. It could be uh, just a good report from the doctor. Can I tell you that whatever it is you're pursuing after, it's not what provides rest. It doesn't provide reprieve. Oh, for a moment, you may feel good. But when you remember your Redeemer, you'll find that rest along your journey. So today and every day, take, a, take time and remind yourself of who your God is, the creator of heavens and earth, the heavenly Father that sent his Son to die for you. And whatever it is you're facing, it may not go away. God may have it in your path for a reason. Say, Pastor, what's that reason? If I had the answer to that question every time someone asked, I would be God. I am not. But you can talk to him. You can be there for others on their journey. So pursue after the goal. Go to Jerusalem. Look to the mountains. Do it for the glory of God so that you can worship him. But don't think you have to wait for the mountaintop to know what it means to rest in Jesus. If you trusted in Jesus as your Savior this morning, if you're someone who says, Pastor, I will want this life, I want that transformed life for Christ, I want to live for Him, I want to see Him work in my life, and you understood you're a sinner, you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, it's that simple. There's no fancy prayer, there's no big words, there's your faith in who He is. And I'd love to talk to you about that if you made that decision. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your time and for, for what your time that you give us and the, the goals that you set in front of us, Lord, for the things you allow us to do. 
God, I thank you for the blessings that you provide. And God, as each of us could pray that prayer, Lord, I pray each of us can also say thank you. Thank you for the journey. Whereas the Bible says we could move our foot, we could stub our toe. We, God, we, we thank you for the things that are along our path that we may not enjoy. But God, may we bring you glory through them. Lord, it's not easy. There's no one here living the easy life. But Lord, we can have a restful life in you. And God, I pray you'll provide that. Remind us of who you are. Lord, I pray that you'll give each of us just, God, would you show yourself this week in some way? Just a gentle reminder, Lord, as we pursue after you. I, I thank you and praise you for the confirmations you give as I, I pursue what you've called me to. And God, I pray for each person here that as they live their life for you, you'll, you'll give them that confirmation. Give them that reminder. God, for anyone who trusted in you this morning, I pray that they will have boldness to come speak to us, talk about what it means to live this transformed life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, thank you all this morning. I do appreciate it. Uh, Miss Susie's going to come with some announcements at this time. I'll be at the back door. I'd love to shake hands with you. If it's your first time here, I'd love to say, hey, I have a gift for you. Free cup of coffee if you're a first-timer and stop and talk to me, all right? I'll see you guys back there. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.